0: In a land where freedom is a memory. I came here to learn how to fight like you. To have your strength, your courage. Zola was a servant of the people. He did what was needed. And now he's needed again. And justice is outlawed. Must the man be my brother? Kill him! The just must
1: become outlaws. Do you know how to use that thing? Yes. Yeah. The
0: pointy end goes into the other men.
1: This is going to take a lot of work now between the woman who rules his heart don't pretend she means nothing to you but she does and the enemy who claims his soul i would murder a hundred innocent men if it meant killing you Why is the battle montero has some plans for california the time has come to claim what always should have been ours
0: for the destiny of a nation tomorrow we fight in earnest we will both tempt our fates <laughs> It's only one man. It isn't just one man, damn it. It's Zoro. Hostess leaves its mark. You know Zoro. He could be anywhere. (laughs) Did you miss me? (laughs) Ciao, people, and welcome to our 222nd episode of Happiness and Darkness, the Superior Movie Podcast, we discuss superior movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse Image, and more. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I am one of your hosts, DJ Nick. And as always, joining me is my podcasting partner in crime and swashbuckling hero, though he's not Spanish, Mr. Keith Bliss. Hey, Keith, how are you
1: today? I am doing very well. I mean, I am Italian, so I I kind of skirt that a little bit. There's probably some swashbuckling in my family somewhere. Spoilers for what we're talking about. Uh, Otherwise, I can't complain. It's like nine degrees out. I should be snowing, but I live at the beach, so I don't get any. So it is what it is. I'm just freezing my tacos off.
0: (laughs) well uh great to know indeed and of course as of this uh recording we are literally uh, six days to go before christmas so i guess everybody's going to be rushing doing their christmas shopping and what have you and and all the craziness that ensues but today is not going to be a christmas movie folks because today we are discussing the mask of zorro from 98 this was directed by martin campbell The story was by Ted Elliott, Terry Rossio, and Randall Janssen, those names you might recognize because they were also on our previous movie, The Lone Ranger, while the screenplay was by Ted Elliott, Terry Rossio, and John Escal, while the score was by the wonderful James Horner. And an estimate to put in today's money, adjusted for inflation, this movie cost $179 million to make and made $470 million the box office. So uh, Keith when it comes to general impressions on this one what did you make of the mask of zorro
1: I I enjoyed it a lot I mean other than one or two questionable uh casting decisions <coughs> like I um I will say that all you know overall the story was fun it could have been I would say maybe 15 to 20 minutes shorter they had a, a little bit of fluff to it that was fine whatever they had to just murder everybody at the end um but Spoilers, sorry. It, it was a fun watch. I, I actually, I just literally finished watching it about 15, 20 minutes before we did this podcast just because I wanted to keep it fresh in my brain. I've watched this numerous times. It's entertaining to watch every single time. It ages shockingly very well. I, You know, we see some of these movies and I won't mention The Lone Ranger ever, but there's other movies that we have watched that you're like, who thought this was a good idea? Or this joke doesn't hold up or whatever they're doing hasn't held up. But considering when this movie came out and how much money it made, which is insane, they never made a sequel. Um, I it's a fun to watch. I enjoy the cast. You have Catherine Zeta-Jones. There you go. Um, and that other guy with the, the weird accent. Um, he, the two of them have very good chemistry together. You know, he, everybody, the current generation of kids knows Antonio Banderas as Puss in Boots. He's that swashbuckling cat. Like we grew up, he's an action hero that transitioned into other avenues. Same thing with Catherine Zeta Jones. People just know her from like one or two random movies or the commercials. We grew up she was, you know, people, you know, stuff of legend in terms of her beauty. And to see them on screen together, they have a very natural chemistry. And when they're flirting with each other, it feels like actual flirting. It's not like that well, script man flirts with woman, and you do this weird kind of, you know, fake flirting. They kind of oozed that, you know, sex appeal with each other. So you see them on screen, and they kind of have this sword fight, and they're fighting and kissing. You're like, yeah, that's, and I'm using air quotes, believable in terms of the context of this story. And the story was written fairly well. I again, there were a couple of slow points that they probably could have trimmed out and a lot of setup slash exposition that we could have gotten played the jump to conclusion game and got there ourselves. But for what it was and when it came out, how much money it made, this came out in 98. It was a two and a half hour long movie, which at the time was still relatively new. And there were not as many movies at the time. Only time you ever saw something like that was like Titanic or some other crazy blockbuster movie. So this was definitely ahead of its game. Now you look at you know Endgame and all the Marvel movies, and you're like, hey, look at that little two-and-a-half-hour movie. We knocked that out and yada-yada-yada movie. And you're like, all right. So I liked it. Could it have been better? Sure. Could have been worse? Yes, 100%. It could have been The Lone Ranger. So I think, by and large, it was a great movie.
0: I will say this. Um, there was actually a sequel which came out in 2005, which was The Legend of Zorro. Doesn't <laughs> I see that you feel the same way I do about that sequel. Um, but yeah, that, that came out in 2005, of course, and brought back both uh, Antonio Banderas and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, of course. But uh, And it did decently at the box office, but they, we didn't get any more after that. The project that they were working on following that, and I hope someday it will come to light, is a crossover between Zorro and Django Unchained by Quentin, from Quentin Tarantino. Because Quentin himself manifested interest on wanting to have Django meet Zorro and then to go on some wild crazy adventure. And I can totally see Tarantino pulling that off. And I hope that is that is still you know in the back of their minds. I mean, granted, at this point, Jamie Foxx is not doing particularly well health-wise, and definitely we're we're hoping and you know praying and what have you crossed our fingers that he will you know, make a speedy recovery because he's a fantastic actor and from what I've heard, a great guy. So hoping he'll be, he'll be healthy and be able to go back to acting. But that would be really cool if they ever did it. I mean, that the last talks about that were in 2019, about a possible Zorro-Django crossover as the third movie. And as cheesy as it can possibly sound, I would a to see that just to see what the heck Quentin could come up with, with bringing these two characters together, because after, as I mentioned, Legend of Zorro, we got, we didn't get any more of these. And just like the Lone Ranger, this was, like when I watched this, I kind of felt, you know, after so many years, I could tell, it felt like they're trying to establish a franchise. Just like they did with uh, with Pirates of the Caribbean, and just like they, they tried to do with Lone Ranger, no surprise, the writers are pretty much are the same ones, two of them are the same that we got on the Lone Ranger and on Pirates of the Caribbean, so there is that feeling there, and I think just like Lone Ranger, the cinematography is fabulous in this, it works really, really well. Uh, I think the score is wonderful. It's James Horner. So, you know, you're going to get a good score. Martin Campbell does a good job directing this and you have some fantastic actors, but unlike the Lone Ranger, they work here and the, the, everything. The story is very compelling. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was actually big, well, semi big as a Zorro fan growing up. Cause I watched the TV show, you know, which was airing way back when, and during carnival over here, which was kind of our version of Halloween before Halloween became a thing here, a lot of kids were literally dressing up as Zorro. And I'm talking about the late 80s, early 90s. Zorro was a rather popular character to dress up as for, for kids. And no surprise, I mean, I think it partly influenced Batman, I'm sure, when it came to look and heck, Bruce Wayne goes to see um a, a Zorro movie in when it comes to his origin story. So clearly he's a very influential character. So, yeah, I love this. I love the fact we got one actual native-speaking Spanish chap like Banderas when it came to all the names and all the pronunciations. Like, oh, that's cool. Bride takes place in California. But uh, I really loved it. And by and large, it was a, it was a great swashbuckling, epic, fun movie. I mean, a big fan of swashbuckling films like The Princess Bride, for example. I love that film. And it, I kind of got that vibe from this too. So I was very much entertained when it came to this one for sure. So, uh, let's get to our characters on the board, starting with our two Zoros and our love interest. We have Anthony Hopkins, of course, as Don Diego de la Vega, Antonio Banderas as Alejandro Murieta, and Catherine Zeta-Jones as Elena Montero. So, what did you make out of, of our three leads, Keith?
1: I mean, Anthony Hopkins is a little bit of a stretch in terms of the part he was playing. Um, well, I- it's Anthony Hopkins. I I generally enjoy anything that he is in. Again, a little bit of a stretch. It's sort of like um, what's that guy that was in the Highlander? That the Scottish guy that the, you know we all know. Um, when they cast him in stuff that's not you know outside of his real house, and everybody knows who I'm talking about, and I'm being aloof on purpose. Um, but does he play a good Zorro? Hell yeah! Does he play a good cranky old man teaching a young Zorro? hell yeah uh he has the range in terms of acting that he can pull off these parts and the same thing with banderas and zeta jones they played their parts perfectly i I will say the one thing that kind of hurts me is the fact that Catherine zeta jones's character didn't speak spanish she's walking through the marketplace and her nanny um was talking to her and she couldn't understand it. And she had to get somebody to translate it into English because they're from Spain and speak fluent English. Anybody? No. Okay, exactly. So that was kind of like, if I have to nitpick, that would be the one thing I'm, I would have to be nitpicky about is the fact that, you know, she didn't speak any Spanish and she's coming from Spain. So she should at least kind of sort of understand the native dialect because again, spain's lang dialect and mexican dialect not the same i'm not going to be the generic white guy saying like oh they all speak the same language." no i'm not an asshole um but the fact is that you know you would i even understood what nana was saying and i don't speak any i speak very poor spanish so it is that was kind of my one little gripe with the whole situation but Again, when they're all on screen together, the three of them, they're interacting, especially when she finally comes to terms with Darth Vader being her father. I mean, Zorro being her father. It's fine. And there's, you know, you see the the shock in her face. You can actually see her putting the pieces together because she, you know, as the movie progresses, little things start to chink in his armor kind of show where she's questioning things like oh i this smells familiar or this looks familiar or, why why is your face familiar she's starting to kind of remember things from when she was 3 months old fine whatever um so by the time it does finally come to light that she was kidnapped and you know his anthony's character is her true father you're like okay i believe that because the way they portrayed that in the movie and the chemistry with the three leading actors that you're like, you have invested this time and effort to set this up. So when the payoff comes, especially at the end, you're like, damn, I'm not crying. You're crying. No, I'm not crying. You're crying. You're like, Oh, I must have a little salt in my eye or something. My dog looked my face like something. You definitely, you're kind of moved a little bit when the ending actually happens. And we'll get to that part later. So, I, I will say that for when this movie was made, I don't think they could have had a better cast if they tried.
0: I I totally agree. I do have that kind of regret, if you will. and I'm sure we'll probably talk about it afterwards when we get to uh, you know closing thoughts on the movie. Is that uh, Diego did not get to see his daughter marry Alejandro because obviously, you know, he dies, you know, before mm-hmm. that happens and before, and he doesn't even get to have the the opportunity to become a grandfather or to enjoy nope. being, you know, seeing, you know, Elena and Alejandro's son, you know, he's just born in the little crib where Alejandro is telling him this legend of Zorro story to him. So I kind of felt bad about it. I'm like, Oh, you know, he didn't get to be a granddad, but it's, it's a shame. But Great, um, great comparisons there. I think when it comes to the relationships between the relationship, especially between Diego and Alejandro, in just the way they 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 kind of um, work off each other, because Diego is very much the now grizzled older man who still has you know desire for vengeance for what was done to him by Don Montero and every and, and all that, and having taken his daughter away, and him having to kind of almost watch his daughter from afar after so many years, because obviously he's been in prison and he finally is able to get out and he returns to California and, and finally gets to see his daughter now grown for the first time. You can see the pain in his face and his eyes and the fact of wanting to take on Alejandro as his ward, if you want to, to be, be the next one to wear the, the mask of Zorro. It's a great thing. I I love how they work together. And obviously the training montage you'll get between the two of them because They come from very different backgrounds. because obviously Diego being a Don had a life of privilege. He knew how to carry himself as a gentleman and having obviously been at the game for much longer. And Alejandro being, I guess, more of a, from the street, if you will, has to kind of be taught how to conduct himself as a gentleman. Granted, it doesn't take him long to do that because when he has to pose as this nobleman, he does it easily because it's Antonio Banderas. So, of course, he has that natural charm about him. And I kind of smiled. I'm like, yeah, he's not going to find it hard to be charming. It's Antonio Banderas. He's going to be able to do it easily. And, in fact, when he weasels his way into uh, into that that party there and becomes close to Don Montero, you're like, yeah, it's, it's an easy job for him. I did also like the fact of both are kind of on the tail and on, on a uh, – quest for revenge because of course Diego wants to take his revenge on Montero for for the reasons I mentioned before and Alejandro is out for revenge because of his brother being murdered or rather not being murdered his brother killed himself but his brother's head and hand being held in jars by Captain Love is very much the fact that both of them are motivated to do something of course they both want to help the people because they're all about helping the little guy at the same time they both have this personal vendetta on wanting to they want to kind of resolve and of course their love for Elena for different reasons obviously Diego because she's his daughter and Alejandro because heck he loves the woman who would not who wouldn't be attracted by by Catherine Zeta Jones at this point she's absolutely gorgeous I did love the fact that you can tell she's Diego's daughter because of how skilled she is at handling a sword. Even though I'm assuming, obviously, Montero had her do some fencing lessons, but you're like, yep, yeah, that's clearly Zorro's daughter, just the way she carries herself. And and like you said, the chemistry between uh, Alejandro and, and Elena is so palpable, especially when they have, one, that dance uh, at the party, and then when they're, when they're you know, having that, I would call it almost playful uh, sword fight between the two of them, it is almost sexualized as well, because you have the dance, which is a very intimate moment and the sword fighting, which a lot of people say is almost like a dance in its own way, more of a deadly one, of course. But the moves, the the parries and everything else, it's very, a very intimate form of combat. And there it's very much sexualized because, of course, you know, uh, Zorro is literally almost t- taking her clothes off by, with his sword and keeps kissing her in between, which I don't know if it would fly today, because some people be like, she was against her will, it's not fair, and so on. But um, I love the playfulness between the two of them. And the chemistry, like you said, was was wonderful. I I think you couldn't have had better actors. And uh, also I think the comedic moments is what I really appreciate. Like the fact that it's not that just because Alejandro has taken some lessons from Diego, he's gonna be a perfect Zorro. Like for example, when he has to whistle for his horse, and he tries to you know jump or jump off of a building or whatever and land easily on his horse. He falls the other way because of course he still is learning. So it's, it, that's why I say it's very much could be a uh, could have been a franchise because this is the introduction to the new Zorro. This is the passing of the torch from Diego to Alejandro. And so uh, I thought it was it was very well done. And uh, having grown up with Diego de la Vega being my Zorro in the TV shows and what have, you, it was kind of cool to see what would happen if diego became an old man and he, he and there was still so much injustice in the world will he pass that mantle on to someone and he did so uh, i absolutely i thought it was absolutely great and uh, and i love the uh, also the social commentary the fact of being a hero for the people and, and trying to to help them out and having that humanity which our villains completely do not have was was a great one and some of the history behind california and the whole mexican uh, Amer- um, you know, American thing that was going on with the state of California at the time, so it was, uh, it was fantastic stuff. So uh, anything you'd like to add on these characters, Keith, before we do get to our villains?
1: No, I, I would piggyback one thing off of what you were saying about him not getting to see his granddaughter, grandson and them marry. I did appreciate the fact that he did give the blessing. You know, he he saw what where this was going, and he's like, i give you my blessing. And at least they while it was his dying breath, they, you know, he did pass along. It wasn't like they did this without his blessing and all his past, at least in his final moments of he had some happiness. He went out on a a high note, even, you know, granted he was dying from a gunshot wound. He was able to kind of pass the mantle and his family on to the next Zorro. I agree. And
0: also the other thing I did, I forgot to add, I forgot to mention was I love the fact that um father and daughter are both welsh which i think is fantastic both (laughs) anthony of course being welsh and catherine jones being welsh i'm like of course they could be father and daughter they're both from the same country yet neither of them speak spanish so I thought it was fantastic you have two well two welsh folks and a spanish dude and those are our characters and you know you mentioned the fact also uh, before we move to our villains here about about uh, elena not being able to speak spanish I did think it was weird myself because Catherine is putting on a Hispanic or Latin accent as she's talking. So Uh you'd assume having also a father like Montero, who clearly I'm sure would speak Spanish. Like she would probably understand the whole thing about her nanny, but uh, I'm like, okay, fine. The only chap who actually speaks Spanish is, is Antonio Banderas and he doesn't really get to speak any except pronounce the names the way a Spaniard would pronounce them.
1: That's true. I didn't think about that. He he does not speak a single line of dialogue in Spanish.
0: No, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious, but true. but still, it, it it served the purpose. And uh, and as I said, it, very likable characters but hey, they're they're fabulous actors, and we know what they're capable of. So it's almost it's very hard not to like them. So I guess then if we're ready, we can round off our characters by looking at our villains. We have Matt Lecture, of course, as Captain Harrison Love and Stuart Wilson as Don Rafael Montero. So what did you make of our two main villains?
1: I'm I'm kind of torn. Um, And the reason why I say that is because the captain was very much just a, a foil to have a bad guy for the new zoro to fight you know if there wasn't this captain or this previous tension where the captain kills his brother and um his partner three-fingered willie or whatever the hell the guy's name was um there would have been no need for this zoro to go fight anybody he wouldn't have had a, a nemesis in the movie you know with that being said he does play a very good nemesis. He comes on screen and he's just an arrogant ass the entire time, which is kind of how they probably roared him. It wasn't like he can't act. It's No, he was legitimately trying to be a condescending ass. He is a, a military individual and anybody who has known anybody that's been in the military, there are certain individuals that are very much this type of character in terms of arrogant and very full of themselves and a little batch of crazy, AKA drinking water out of the, the head jar or whatever the hell it was. So that was fine. And you could feel the tension when they were on screen. I did appreciate that. Again, there's sometimes where they, you know, we've seen in other movies that we reviewed where they write in, in the notes, it's like character a has tension with character B and there's that awkward tension. It's not like I want to punch you in the throat tension, the scene where they're sitting in the office and he puts the head, uh, on the table or on his desk rather you could feel that like it was palpable like you you could feel it him wanting to jump over that desk and just murder him with every fiber in his being so i appreciate that they were able to project what they were actually feeling on screen again opposed to just that awkward man hates a man hates b and whatever really like, yeah it is what it is and they're just reading off lines of dialogue uh um, like in wild wild west uh You go back to the Don, and his is just like the evil, maniacal, like way over-the-top craziness bad guy, which I can kind of respect because this is Zoro. He is a larger-than-life superhero, so you kind of need that same level of over-the-topness, but restrained at the same time, because they're both technically gentlemen, so they know how to... Which is weird, but they're both technically gentlemen, and they know how, know how to act in you know around civil society. It's just not like some dude in a cave eating the remains of like chicken nuggets or something, just trying to plot world domination. No, he is the guy who technically ran California before it was lost, so he is familiar with um, high society, and same thing with um, Anthony Hopkins' character Zorro. They're both from the same circles. And I can appreciate that. And then, when, even when they're around each other, they can be civil assholes, but they're still, you know, assholes to each other because obvious reasons. You know, um, Don Raphael got his Don, um, I can't, Zorro's wife's killed. And I'm, I apologize because I just have a mental block with his first name. Um, so there's a reason why they hate each other. And he kidnapped his daughter. So there's all these layers, and he's been locked away for. I think he said 20 years. So he's had time to fester. So, like, that is an an anger in the core of a person's being that is never going away. Like, that is, that's eating you alive kind of anger and resentment and hostility and all of that stuff. So, the fact that uh, Don Raphael took his world away, there is just cause for that level of seething anger underneath the surface and he projects it very well when you see them interact with each other especially when he finally makes uh, Raphael explain to uh, Elena who her father really is and you know he Don is like well she won't believe me and as he's talking you can kind of see the wheels going in her head and she's kind of like this is all starting to make sense now this all this familiarity I understand why and yes it was a bit of a jump and i'm not going to just you know disagree with that statement but we had to move the story along so um it was kind of again weird to have a welsh guy playing zorro considering who Zorro was supposed to be I mean, you know that's the elephant in the room it, or as i should jokingly say that's the white elephant in the room um But he did a good job playing a Spaniard as best as he could. And considering at his age, I think he was only 170 in this movie because Anthony Hopkins has always been old in everything he does. He's just levels of oldness. It's sort of like Sean Connery. If you see him in Bond, then you see him in literally anything else. He goes from Bond, old man, forever. So I think considering when this was done, it, it was... Played the part very well And I don't think I would have changed Any of the cast For when this movie was made If we were to recast this now Totally different cast Same story But different cast I'm sure
0: If they ever make A new Zorro movie Will likely have um, A more Maybe an all uh, Hispanic cast Possibly I mean granted Okay it takes place In California So you could actually have Literally American people You know if you will Who are not you know Uh, either of of a Mexican origin or of Spanish origin. But I guess seeing that the characters in play, you would likely want to have, you know, either, you know, actual Spanish actors or Mexican actors because of who we have. Captain Love could easily have been, you know, you could easily cast him as an American chap because he is an American, literally. But other than that, yeah, I think if they ever did do another Zorro movie, and I think, you know, enough time has passed to possibly give us a new one. Uh, We'll be interested to see how it gets cast. And I, you know, and I agree with you. When it, well, Anthony Hopkins, yes, he's always kind of been a million years old, except for if you go way back to uh, the Middle Ages when he was playing yeah. in the 1802, exactly when he was in in a line in winter. And it's amazing; it's crazy how young he looks there. I'm like, holy crap, that's Anthony Hopkins, and he literally ha- was young at one point. But uh, other than that, yeah, as I mentioned before, you you mentioned the. Uh, the uh, Ramirez McLeod um, uh, relationship. And it was very similar when it came to our two Zoros and great point there when it came to our two villains, because I think the, the writing was, let's give our two Zoros a villain to kind of fight when we get to our, our climax. And that's literally what happens because of course Alejandro ends up fighting Captain Love and uh, Diego ends up fighting Don Montero. because of course they had to give each of our Zoros an antagonist. When it came to Captain Love, I I, I was um, I was shocked to uh, realize when I watched it. This I'm like, wait a minute. That's the dude who plays the reverse Flash in the Flash TV show. So no wonder he plays villains so well. Granted, some time had gone by, uh, has gone by since then, since it was in this movie. But it is the same dude that is literally um, Eobard Thorne from the Flash uh-huh. TV show. So I was like, I love. It. Granted, he has a much he has a mustache, a moustache and a beard, which kind of hides his features. But as soon as I saw the eyes, I'm like, those eyes look familiar. So of course he plays just like he played a great Eobard Thorn, He did a great job playing Captain Love in this. And uh, and I agree with you. The man is such a psycho. He's incredibly sadistic. And in that particular scene, like you mentioned at the bar, where he's showing Alejandro his you know his brother's head and in his hand. In my head, I kept thinking to myself, does he know? And I think he likely does know that um that the man parading as a socialite is actually the the brother that got away. Because just the way he's kind of toying with him. He's like, Oh, I see you've lost your appetite. I see you don't want to drink anything. There is that kind of tension. I mean, it's not, it's a it's a well-done moment, and the level of tension is decent. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of um Inglorious Bastards, the opening mm-hmm. scene of Inglorious Bastards, where we get that interrogation there is that kind of level of tension. Granted, in bastards, Bastards, you can cut it with a knife. I felt that kind of similar thing here as the literal question is, does he know that uh, uh, Alejandro is secret? And as I mentioned before, I think he probably does. And uh, he does a great job of just being evil and just kind of, I guess, following along with what uh, Don Montero's plans are because he's just as ruthless. Heck, probably even more ruthless because he's the one who suggests to Don Montero that They should blow everything up, leave no witnesses, and murder all the workers. Because in case, you know, uh, the owner of of California gets wise to them, that they are selling him his own gold. And uh, I love the fact that in the Lone Ranger it was silver, and here it's gold. And uh, also I think Don Montero's plan is more thought out than the one in the Lone Ranger. Because here the concept of, we found this gold mine, we're going to literally buy the state of California from uh, from from the guy by selling him his own gold. Simply, we're just going to put a brand on the gold bars so he thinks it's not from California, which I thought was a rather clever ploy. And I appreciate that shows you what a crafty man Don Montero is and how much he lusts for power. And then, of course, the fact that uh, you know he loved the the you know um, uh, Diego's wife. And so he decided to take Elena from him because, like, I can't have her, but I'm going to have take your child away. That is evil 101. It shows you how bad the guy is. And, of course, he gets his just desserts. And I was glad that both men did because they're just absolutely horrible, which I think speaks to the Capability and talent that both Matt uh, Letcher and Stuart Wilson have in playing bad guys. Stuart Wilson, another chap who's played quite a few villains in his time. So this is not his first rodeo and does a great job of it. So I thought they were great villains to to put in opposition to our heroes. So uh, I thoroughly enjoyed them. They definitely uh, uh, chew the screen chew, and chew the scenery. So I like, loved it. Very, very happy with it. So, uh, anything else you would like to add on this movie, Keith, before we get to ratings?
1: I will say I didn't realize he was Eobard, Eobard Thon until you had mentioned it. And once you did, it, his face popped right in my eyes. I was like, son of a gun, he was. So, boy, points for you for catching that one, because I completely missed that watching this.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, no, it was just like because I thought it was the eyes. I, like, yeah, I've right. seen those 100%. eyes, but... I've seen those eyes before because I mentioned before he has the mustache, so it's hard to say. And, and some years have gone by. But oh, yes, yeah. uh, a couple decades. <laughs> yes, but that is the reverse Flash, ladies and gentlemen. It is. So, <laughs> so I guess then, getting to ratings, what do you give this movie out of 10?
1: I'm going to have to give this one a solid 8. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, again, it had its flaws, but for the movie of its time, and I did not realize how much money it made, which is insane and good on them. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I would watch it again. I have watched it numerous times. Granted, I'm not going to put it on my everyday watch list. But you know, if it pops on TV, I will 100% sit down, pop some popcorn and watch the movie. I am right there with you. I'm also going to give this Nate. I thoroughly
0: enjoyed it. It's been a long time since I'd watched this. And I'm kind of, I'm so glad that this podcast afforded us the opportunity to be able to, to watch it again. So, uh, and it was definitely a good watch. It was a fun watch, especially as I mentioned before, coming off of the Lone Ranger oh, and that yeah. kind of, <laughs> and that kind of epic adventure. And this is how you do a good epic adventure with, uh, with, you know, with good swashbuckling action and always having been a fan of that since the Errol Flynn days, this, this was, this was great. Kind of put me in the mood of going, going to watch an Errol Flynn movie, be it Robin Hood or be it captain blood. So, uh, absolutely loved it. So it's an eight out of 10 for me. So getting to recommendations, did you have anything you'd like to recommend to folks, who would like to, uh, you know,
1: check out more about our masked Avenger. I mean, I only had like 20 movies I could think of, and I apologize. It was only 20. I was shooting for 40, but I just, time ran <laughs> out. Um, That being said, I do you know I have my standard recommendations because of this type of movie. If you like this, I would actually check out the George Clooney Batman because it kind of gives me similar-ish vibes. Even Val Kilmer's Batman, uh, just because of the the story is very similar. Batman's a little campier, don't get me wrong, um, but you have you know the Phantom because that's another character that's very Batman archetype. Uh, the shadow as i always recommend when we watch these movies but i'm going to change it up and go with some uh, once upon a time in mexico which is another one of uh our our lead actors movies which is a fun watch i'll even go say kill bill volume one and two and for a, a stretch watch highlander the first one because of the dynamic between these two characters
0: fantastic recommendations for sure i'm going to add in the zorro tv show from way back when with that wonderful old uh, theme song zorro zorro i always makes me happy to hear that so uh if you want to see uh, don diego in his younger days when he was the zorro exactly riding around on tornado and then causing all sorts of craziness and there of course we had uh sergeant garcia who was the main antagonist. I'm glad I didn't have him here because he may would have been too comedic for this film. So I would, I would suggest those. And I'd also check out, if you want to see Zorro in comic book form, I would strongly suggest you check out the uh, complete um, omnibus, if you will, Zorro Swords of Hell. This came out in 2019 and basically it's, it was celebrating the the 100th anniversary of Zorro and uh, basically the story to give the premise is Los Angeles gets invaded by demonic horsemen. And Zorro is the only man who can save his home from becoming hell on earth. And you and the, the authors behind this, are David Avalone, who has been who written such stuff as Twilight Zone episodes. He's written for The Shadow. He's written Betty Page. And Roy Allen Martinez, who is one of the chaps behind House of M and also The Immortal Iron Fist. So if you want to check out Zorro in comic form taking on demons in a swashbuckling crazy adventure, definitely check out uh, Zorro uh, Swords of Hell. And that literally comes as a collected edition. There were four issues of this of this comic, and you can, of course, now get it as a trade paperback. One of my favorite Zorro tales when it comes to the comics. So we're getting to feedback here. We actually have some from wonderful contributor and uh, I I, I should say now friend of the podcast, Aaron Case. And so Aaron writes the legend. Exactly. The man, the myth, the legend. Well said. So Aaron writes in. Hello, DJ Nick and Keith. Hey, Aaron. I love the Mask of Zorro. I was 10 when it came out. And knowing nothing of the character, I became enthralled with a superhero who lacked the super abilities that every other hero had. Surprise! He inspired chaps like Batman. There's something great about a hero who lacks powers and relies solely on intelligence and ability. This was also my first introduction to Antonio Banderas, and a role I still most associate him with. It blew my mind when I found out there were TV episodes from the 50s and 60s. So I spent a lot of time watching everything I could. Good man. I barely remember any of it. And maybe one of these years, I'll revisit some of them. Please do. Uh, Aaron continues, years later, this is still an entertaining movie. Hopkins and Banderas are great. The action is exciting. And the story is softly politically driven, but not to the point where it detracts from an action and fun and sets out to have. It's just a shame that the sequel was so bad it seems like we all agree with you there erin take care erin well thank you for that wonderful email there and really appreciate it and so glad you enjoyed you know revisiting re-watching zoro and as we mentioned in our recommendations please do check out this uh, the tv show if uh, if you get the chance and in uh, and the comics too and of course all the great um recommendations that keith made so, of course, dear listeners, if you want to be like the amazing Aaron and you want to share your thoughts on the movies we discuss here, you can do so by shooting us an email in either audio or written form to happinessindarknesshow at gmail.com. Once again, that email is happinessindarknesshow at gmail.com. You can also show your support by giving us a like on social media. We're on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness in Darkness, or on X, formerly known as Twitter, or at High Darkness Pod. Finally, if you are listening to us on Spotify or other podcasts, be sure to give us a rating and review as this helps the show grow and also allows allow to keep that algorithm stimulated and allows our little show to reach even more like minded ears like yours. Also, a big thank you to those who have done that and a future thank you to those who will. So, Keith, when you're not here discussing great heroes like Zorro, where can folks find you on the interwebs?
1: Well, I've started becoming a professional dog walker. Um, It it helps pay the bills. Uh, I'm looking to sell a kidney. It's slightly used. I apologize. It's got about 40,000 miles on it. Um, There's a dent. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, When I'm not doing those things, Uh, you can find me on the Hour of Comics is upon us with Jason Gurin and John Seymour. I I apologize, guys. I apparently just had a stroke, and I'm struggling with names today. Uh, We like to review comic books, or anything else really kind of random. But we generally stick to comic book stories, characters, first appearances, story arcs, and things of that nature. We do take recommendations. We can be found on YouTube and Facebook and all the other fun social media platforms. Uh, I believe we're also on Spotify. So give us a listen. You know, Like you said, Nick, give us a listen, stimulate the little magic algorithm of happiness so we can all make all the big dollars and cents You know, you two can listen 1,846 times, so I can make a penny. Well, definitely check out the hour
0: of comics is upon us, folks, because it's very entertaining indeed, and uh, and it's always and it's tons of fun, and definitely passes the time for sure uh when it comes to me you can find me in my day job hosting the radio show whiskey and cigarettes where we play today's country traditional country and everything else in between and with about that and where to tune in come is our website which is whiskey and cigarettes podcast wise you can also find myself and those lovely ladies who answer the names of two of uh, rachel friend and zan sprouse on gold standard the oscars podcast we're reviewing all the movies that won the oscar for best picture in chronological order Coming up this week, as of this recording, we'll be taking on Parasite, the very first non-English language film to win Best Picture, and there will definitely be quite a few thoughts on that one. That's, of course, directed by the legendary Bong Joon-ho. And last, but certainly not least, myself and Charles Skaggs can be found on the Fandom Zone, where we review all sorts of superhero TV shows. We will be coming back next month to take on Echo, the new uh, MCU TV show. So uh, very curious to see what that is all about. I haven't watched any of the trailers because I'm not a trailer person, so I'm going in completely cold. I have some ideas on where it's going to go, but we'll see when that shows up. And speaking of things to come on this show next time and next year, because of course, this is our last episode of 2023, we'll be taking on the 2023 James Wan film Aquaman, and the Lost Kingdom. So, Keith, anything else you'd like to add on either our next movie or, I guess, closing out now 2023 before we return in
1: 2024? No, no. I mean, other than thanking everybody for having me and me sticking around, I can't believe I've been doing this a year with you. It's kind of crazy. And if you told me this a year ago we'd be doing this, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> well i think
0: it's been fabulous and i'm definitely looking forward to, to uh, of course returning with you to talk about this this last of the DCEU films so of course uh, folks thanks thanks so much for listening to the show and supporting us throughout the course of this year we will of course be coming back next time with aquaman the lost kingdom until then thank you so much for the privilege of your time stay super and have a great christmas hanukkah Wanza, uh, what have you? Ciao. Bobby.